Welcome to Incubate This, where technology and business come together to help startups start up. Brought to you by Rika Technologies and GodandAppIdea.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We are minus our Daryl today, which is very sad. He's having a family emergency and he should be back in a, in a few days here, ready for our next episode. But we are missing him today. So keep him in your thoughts and prayers. So the last time we did a security conversation, we brought in Sam Massiello. The episode was wildly successful, like one of the most successful ones we've ever had. No pressure. No pressure whatsoever. <laughs> and so today we have with us Mr. Brandon Stewart. He is the CEO and founder of Nereus, which is a cybersecurity company based here in Denver. Mm. He's got lots of like deep security secret agent man black ops background and like government stuff that could be kind of fun to talk about but he's not the whistleblower he's not the whistleblower yeah and i'm not gonna get taken out to a room that gets disappeared either (laughs) so we're thrilled to have you here today thanks for coming on the show thanks for having me yeah you're welcome so tell everybody a little bit about yourself your background what you do like maybe even what you don't do because i know you you security guys are like you're like attorneys i do this but i don't do this so don't think that i have any you know whatever yeah yeah yeah. no no (laughs) doubt like a union thing it does (laughs) it's a cya thing really I was, we were on a call yesterday with one of our clients and their attorney was on the call with us. And at the end of the call, they had been asking a question about DNO insurance, right? Because they had this insurance package and they thought DNO was part of it. And it turns out it really wasn't part of it. And he was like, you know, should we go and buy like a, a nose and tail policy now to sort of cover that? And Bill, you know, kind of walked him through it, whatever. And so at the end, he goes, okay, so we really have nothing to worry about. And Bill goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. I mean, you could get hit crossing the street. There's stuff to worry about. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, you sound like a lawyer right All lawyers. Now. All lawyers. You have to start the conversation with them like, we want to keep this simple. Yeah. <laughs> we want to get an answer. We're not talking about what ifs here. We're not and, in a big what if moment. And then they say, yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> We can't bill for that, Brandon. Yeah, exactly. I need to pontificate about this for many, many moons. Uh, All right. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your company and what you do. Yeah. So my background's within cybersecurity. You know, my education element or profile is more around business and economics. I had an East Asian studies uh, focus in undergrad. I started a couple companies in DC that were mainly focused in the value-added reseller element. And our big focus points were dealing with new and innovative startup security solutions that were going to be focused in the federal market space. Okay. So what those markets were, what did they really need, what were the challenges they were dealing with as opposed to kind of the commercial element. So I was pretty successful in both companies I helped start. I ended up going to graduate school for war is really kind of the only way to describe it. You know, they have a lot of fancy titles for it. Diplomacy, law, it's really just war. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do, how do they start? Where do they go? How do you avoid them? What's allowed? What's not allowed? The economics behind it, just kind of all of the the study around that. And that really helped me get into my second company that I helped create, which was in Maryland, which was heavily focused in the DOD and those communities. Uh-huh. Secret agent man. Yeah, just, you know. <laughs> you know, Can't the, really talk about that. Yeah, I mean, we could talk around it. You know, that's <laughs> a lot of around things, not in the things. 
you know, so I was able to really help that company out. We did, we did a lot of really good work and, you know, I'm pretty proud of what we were able to do. Met some super cool people that were really doing some fun stuff and having conversations of what ifs, like we're going to paint a scenario and, you know, we can't give you any names, but, you know, it's really dry in a place. What if we yeah. were to go to a place where there's sand? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and there's mountains. And, <laughs> and yeah. right, totally. inside of a cave. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> How would you... A lot of that. Um, so that was always fun to kind of like listen to this. Yeah, totally. You listen to the story and kind of draw it up on the board and you're like, okay, this is our picture today, right? And they're like, yes. I'm like, okay, if this is the picture. This is Mr. X. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. And they're like, well, if we told you this, I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah, I don't, we've got don't our tell picture. Me anymore. I've got it. Yeah, I've got a Plausible nice. Possible deniability. Yeah, totally. It's like, you know. I want to know more or I'll be on that whiteboard someday. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. So pretend that 10 years ago we talked to this dude about some security stuff and yeah. now we need to take him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like planning Absolutely. my own takeout yeah, plan. Yeah, right. Maybe. How would you get him? Right. So, anyway. So the graduate degree was really interesting, and I, I got to work with some really cool people from around the globe. A lot of their governments sent them to the program. It was the Fletcher School, so it was a really awesome program. And then after a while, I decided it was just kind of time to start my own gig to just see what would happen. And I was living out here in Colorado. Hopefully no one tries to track me down after that. <laughs> we can edit that part out, right? <laughs> my house is armed. Um, <laughs> so anyway... What I found out here in the Colorado space is that we've got quite a few numbers of uh, subcontractors dealing with the aerospace industry and the national defense industry. And the challenges with those groups is they are, you know, they've got a really ton of smart people trying to solve some really difficult problems. And demographically speaking, you've got a lot of people moving here from the East Coast and from the West Coast just because, you know, one, it's cool to live here. Two, the standard of living is a lot more, you know, reasonable. And three, they can start these companies here and it isn't like this, you know, you don't have the California, we'll call it just the ridiculousness of all of what's there, <laughs> the traffic, everything. Yeah. Right. And you're not paying for East Coast prices. So you've got just a number of companies out here that we're able to help with and, you know, do some fun stuff and... I don't have to live on a plane, which is super dope. Yeah. I got a dog, like, you know, <laughs> I've got I've got like a normal life, which is kind of cool. I didn't think I'd ever have one of those. We'll see how it goes in the future because we're launching some things. So right. I have a feeling I'll be living on a plane again pretty soon. But <laughs> as of right now, it's kind of laid back-ish. So talk to us about cybersecurity. It sounds, I mean, we're developers. Yeah, I was kind of interested curious about the timeline when you got involved in dc did it have anything to do with the patriot stuff and 9-11 the heightened interest in so yeah i think it's easier to kind of kind of give a narrative from a high level and then it can kind of bring us into the present if that makes sense so if you look at they call it kind of the, the fifth arena right you've got air water you've got land you've got space and now you have cyber warfare, right? And we've kind of had a, you know, NORAD was kind of handling the space issue back in, you know, when Reagan was there and the whole thing. But cyber warfare was kind of this kind of new development that happened during, actually, the big one was the Iraq war. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't know there were two, when we just marched through Saddam Hussein, right? I think he either had the second or the third largest military in the world right behind us. And we were in and out of there in like a week, 
really, from like soup to nuts with overwhelming force. And one of the things we were able to do during that was actually initiate kind of the real first element of cyber warfare. And at that point, what ended up happening, there were two very influential colonels in the Chinese military who watched this whole thing go down. And they've said, what the fuck? That's pretty badass. And there's no way we're going to be able to stop that. Yeah. So they wrote a really influential paper and it essentially called for asymmetric warfare. And that is really kind of, without meaning to, I think the United States kind of kicked this element off and the Chinese were able to reply. Interesting. So if you look, I mean, man for man, right? The Chinese military is, you know, more than we do. But in terms of kinetic force and application of kinetic force, we are still the absolute unipolarity in the world. So what they were very clever in doing was trying to figure out, okay, how do we defend ourselves asymmetrically? Sure. And just by the very nature of the internet, which we're all kind of aware of and we kind of developed, it's, you know, the way American companies, the way American kind of culture is, is to connect. Whereas Chinese culture and Russian culture, historically, you know, there's a wall, right? The Chinese have the wall. Mm-hmm. The Russians are kind of, if you're not Russian, get the fuck out Aren't of here. Aren't we supposed to be building a wall? Insular. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of walls. Right. A lot of walls. So, yeah, it's very insular. So just by the very nature of how we've designed our own kind of historical narrative inside of the internet, the protocols we write, the applications we write, everything, open API, we want to connect, we want to share information, you know, our higher learning education systems are that way. I mean, that is essentially how the internet was built, right? Scientists want to share data. Scientists sharing data. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's actually historically why you have scientists in the Department of Energy have a Q clearance and other people have a different clearance because they want to sequester the nerds because they want to talk right and everybody else is trained to listen right so they during the big bomb development we were like we got to keep these dudes away from those dudes because these These are talkers these these guys aren't absolutely and they're just running their fucking mouth and we need these guys to shut the hell up so we're gonna take all the nerds put them in a room we're gonna take these guys put them over here and we'll tell them when they can talk to them so anyway So after the Iraq war, you know, you have essentially the Chinese military and certainly following the rest of the world's, you know, intelligence services really kind of considering and how they're going to be able to defend themselves in this element. And, you know, asymmetric warfare became kind of the the big piece kind of launching what is cyber warfare. Two of the most notable hacks are obviously the Huawei issue that most people are aware of. And then the Joint Strike Fighter. The Joint Strike Fighter was one of the most expensive development efforts ever in the history of the Department of Defense. We're going to come out with a super cool plane. It's going to do all kinds of fucking amazing stuff. It's, you know, it's, you know, basically a TIE fighter, right? You know, yeah. full out. We've got, you know, the, the Emperor's <laughs> strike ship. And the damn Chinese broke into the Pentagon, and I've worked in the Pentagon, and it's, you know, it's it's a big place, and um, so that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> that's uh, a big place. Yeah, it's a big place. A lot of a lot of things going on. Very five sided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> fun. A lot of rooms, a lot of halls that don't go anywhere. A lot of stuff. So anyway, I think they were able to pull out something along the lines of like, I think it was like uh, hundreds of tractor trailers of information. If you were to print all this stuff out, I mean hundreds. Over the course of the time that they were creating what was, you know, at that time called APT, Advanced Persistent Threat, which for a while meant just China. Yeah. Right. Which then kind of morphed into this idea of Advanced Persistent Threat, which is like you have a nation state actor who's being funded to continually probe and and look. That's what she said. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Every guy everywhere. (laughs) Um, so they pulled all this information out and, you know, when Robert Gates showed up to China to have his moment with the Chinese, they 
they said, oh, Mr. Gates, we have this wonderful thing to show you. And out comes their joint strike fighter that they basically <gasps> copied oh from the United gosh. States. I mean, one of the most advanced development efforts we've ever invested in as a country. And they had it because they, they basically stole it. had most of it, right? They're just Whoa. stitching it together. Now, certainly it isn't as good as ours, but like it's pretty goddamn near close. Yeah. For no investment. Right. I mean, for, yeah, yeah. I mean, for no investment, really. I mean, you know, so. Whoa. So at that point, you know, the paradigm is kind of shifted at that point, right? Like the attack is super cheap. The defense is super expensive and you've got to have firewalls and IDP systems and logs. And, you know, you've got to have, you know, now we're applying artificial intelligence and machine learning to log data to try to be able to figure out like, okay, we've got an issue. We've got somebody's credentials have been popped. They're trying to move laterally inside the system. I mean, it's you know, fast forward and we're, we're in a completely new world. And like part of my, one of my programs we were going through and I, I was able to show a bunch of these called government diplomats, whatever. I was able to just kind of visualize what is a typical day on the internet with what is considered known attack network traffic across yeah. the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And you could just see everybody's face just like Drop. terrified. Oh, and like at the end of the president, everyone's like, I'm taking, I have no, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna ever do any more banking online. <laughs> I'm deleting every social media profile I have. Like we I warned you about Facebook and we, you didn't listen. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm you <laughs> know, I'm going back to gold, you know, and I'm like, all right. I'm like, uh, yeah, no. I'm like, hey, whatever you want to do. I mean, the, the war around, is here. Kaczynski. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, sure. Whatever. I mean, yeah, you and your Montana ranch, I get it. Like, it's totally, you know, I know it's a little scary out here in the big wild west, but that's where we're at. So, so are you, do you, being in this world, knowing what you know, seeing, so first of all, are you a hacker? No. You don't, nope. you're not, nope. no. Okay. How paranoid are you? Yes, <laughs> is what I'm trying I mean, to after ask. This, after this fucking podcast, probably <laughs> my, probably going to get real paranoid after we listen to the edited version. And I see how many people really like download this thing. My dating life's going to go through the floor. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you have never seen a picture of Brandon, that could never happen. Yeah, it's, it's a constant problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm embarrassed, and my face is turning bright red. Um. <laughs> So how paranoid am I? Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, it's are you worth the effort? Mm. Right? I think for the majority of people, like they're just not worth the effort. Okay. Right? Like even how do I put this? Like most civilians are just people in general, just really kind of like like even well-off people really aren't worth the effort. Now, could they get popped? Absolutely. Sure. You know, and are people just trying to do smash and grabs like you would in a nice neighborhood? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. But really what's going on, like the thing that's really concerning to me that just drives me up the goddamn wall that, you know, we've talked about as a, as a security group, as a country, is the electrical grid. Mm. That is the thing that, like, just makes me want to crawl out of my fucking skin and just, like, <laughs> scream from the rooftops like I'm some, like, old biblical prophet talking about how, like, the, it's the complete, flood's coming. It's completely vulnerable, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's the largest machine on Earth. The United States it's interconnected all it's the way. It's interconnected, from... and we've just hodgepodged it together, and I think it's a goddamn mastery of just ingenuity that it runs, generally <laughs> speaking, right? And, that, <laughs> and it's to run as well as it has, really. I, I'm just continually impressed. The whole idea of cyber warfare is, is a challenge point within kind of a context of diplomacy is always plausible deniability. Yeah. Right. Like we kind of know you did it, you know, but we can't really prove you did it. So 
we kind of can, we kind of can't. Like, and if we can, then we give our hand away because we're watching you. We know uh, you're watching us. Oh, sure. This is this is the whole like code breaking thing with Spiver the Nazis, spies. right? Spiver, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we we won't want them to know we cracked their code, right? But, you know, and they didn't know until like the mid '90s, and right. this happened in like the '40s, right? Right. And what, because and, when they know, then that gives something away, right? Yeah, so you I remember have to, um, hearing that when they when they were first getting all that kind of stuff that Churchill would not authorize a countermission against that unless they could come up with something that some was plausible reason why they would do it for why from he would some have other been, way. Yeah, why they yeah. would have been going because they didn't want to give that away. Yeah. If you look, uh, I think it was Reagan when, you know, it was us versus Russia, you know, which still kind of is. But I think what he ended up doing is he found out the United States figured out the Russians were eavesdropping on a lot of our information at the time. And he gave the order to give faulty information about gas pipeline construction. And subsequently, a massive explosion took place in Russia because they were utilizing our data that we had falsified <laughs> to to detonate Jeez. and, you know, kind of say, hey, we're watching you, too. <laughs> well, that must have led to some hands rubbing together yeah, yeah, afterwards. Yeah. Like, hee, 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 yeah, totally. <laughs> So that's always the problem, right? We're like, if you look at a security studies framework, you know, and you could go in a neoliberal versus neoconservative kind of mindset, the idea is that if... If I see you and what you're doing and you kind of see me and what I'm doing, then there's less of a likelihood of buildup. Mm. But when I can't see what you're doing and you can't see what I'm doing, then there's a higher likelihood of buildup because we can only assume the worst. Right. You're fighting against the imagined. Right. From the nation state perspective, we are more terrified of the unknown than if we're just kind of looking and being like, oh, okay, we see what they're doing there. Right. Interesting. So, you know, and this gets kind of geopolitical pretty quickly because that's essentially what we're dealing with. But like, for instance, China, there's a lot of arguments that could be made. Like China wants to control the Southeast Asian China region, right? They yeah. want to be exert their polarity influence in that space, right? And there are arguments to say, fucking let them. And yeah. there are arguments to say, absolutely not. Yeah. But, you know, as a country, I think they're watching us. We're certainly watching them. Same thing with Russia. Russia Got wants it. to control its Western border. We're utilizing their Eastern or our Eastern border to kind of buttress that. And depending on your kind of school of thought, whether you're more of the, the harder we push against them, the safer we are, the lax we are, the easier it is. That's kind of how, you know, geopolitical kind of influence is then played into this cyber warfare piece. So what it kind of becomes is you, as you watch, you know, the, you read the Wall Street Journal, you're watching Washington Post or see, whatever, your MSNBC or Fox, whatever, you start seeing these like isolated stories, but what you're able to do is then take a step back and kind of start they piecing really this related. together. Right, yeah. Oh, this, yeah. This is that conspiracy stuff almost it sounds like, right? You know, well, like you just kind of this watch. happened way over here and did you notice what happened over it's here? It's like and- follow the money. <laughs> That's the easiest way to do it because money doesn't lie, right? You follow the money, you follow economics, you can be like, oh, that's interesting why that happened. You know, you could kind of guess what's going on. So from a electrical grid, what drives me up the wall is we've had these conversations and I used to work, I still work a little bit with the Department of Energy and everybody has these like, we need to secure the grid, we need to secure the grid. And you go to these conferences and they've got this like giant whiteboard and, and you know, they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. All right, ready? And you got this room full of other nerds. Brilliant people. Yeah, so they're all super genius. And they're like, okay, we're going to take all the telemetry data. Okay. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. God. You know, God. I'm like, all right, from the biggest machine on earth. Okay, yeah. got it. <laughs> take the telemetry data. All right. You're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> and then basically what they do is they draw a box and then they put lightning in the fucking box and they're like, we're going to analyze the data and we're going to be able to secure the grid. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> 
and they used all kinds of great words about the lightning in the box. I'm like, can we just lock the fucking door? Can we do that? Can we lock the door? Can we lock some fucking doors? How about how about operational technology security? How about, you know, maybe a little device to make sure the gas pump didn't get turned on the wrong way and we get a boom. Maybe so another just little box. Start with the things we know we can accomplish yeah, that we know we're going to make progress oh, fuck with. Fuck me. That's absolutely the case. That's what we're begging, you know. And and obviously being in the private sector and working with them and you're not in the federal government, you have to kind of realize that they're going to do what they want to do. And they're going to – they have their vision of how things are going to go. But you just kind of get the sense at times you're like, dude, these people are just on a goddamn goat rope. And they are chasing <laughs> clouds. And I just need them to lock the door. I literally – I just want my electricity home, my toilet to flush. You know what I don't want to have happen in New York? I don't want their sewage system to turn off. I've been in New York. I love those people. Not very calm sometimes. That reminds me of a boss we had a c- couple jobs back that he said, your team is constantly – sticking incremental improvements into your product and I got this team over here and they're trying to feed the world. Yeah. They're trying yeah. to end world hunger and they're not getting anything done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and I see it. I mean, I, I've just kind of seen a lot. I mean, I'm working with, I think certainly, I mean, I'm working with a lot of the labs now and I think they're starting to figure that out and I think there is some more realistic applications of things but I think also because of just the way the machine works, they have to try to address it in a broad swath as opposed to kind of hitting the whack-a-mole which you know there's a counter argument to be made there but yeah from a defensive tactical position (laughs) i'd lock him like a fucking door right just lock the door first and then we can come up with the magic and the lightning and the box and all the other things (laughs) magic it's funny because that reminds me so much about my relationship with software products is like, yeah, if we could rewrite this from the top down and design all the details in up front, it would cost a lot less to do and we could do it quicker. But that will never happen. We'll never get started on that. Get because the market. By the time you get to the end of your analysis, things have already changed quite a bit. Yeah. And so the only way in my experience to effectively evolve a system is those piecemeal, yeah. get this chunk, get that chunk, get that chunk. Oh, look, now that collapses this down. Right. And you just keep making pro- – and, and in the long run, it probably costs a lot more. But like my analogy is it's like doing a complete organ transplant on the patient while you keep them alive on the table. Right. Mm. Instead of saying, no, we're gonna, just going to shut him off for the next 18 months and we're going to rebuild him. Right. You know, because you can't do it. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's that's, kinda, by the way, he's got to be working while you're doing that. Yeah. <laughs> right. We need him to go to work. We need him to pick his kids up from the kid, you know, school. All those things need to happen. Yeah. Well, my mom was a nurse. She told a story about a doctor and a mechanic, and he came to pick the car up, and the mechanic charged him 300 bucks. And he said, you see, doc, he goes, why do I charge you $300 to completely get your, your car comes in? It's broken. It's sick. I fix it, gets it out, get it out the door, 300 bucks. I come in to you, and it's a couple thousand. The doctor says, try doing it with the engine running. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And if that engine shuts off, it is like you just like, <laughs> oh, well, we got, let's take some time. We'll unpack it. We'll re put it together. It should fire right back up. Clear. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So, so your paranoia is relative fear. to, yeah. yeah, your fear is relative to daily operational life. So, so let me, let me put this in different terms. Okay. So, when we had Sam here, we asked him about Alexa. We said, do you have an Alexa? And he was like, no, I can get up and turn on the lights myself. Mm hmm. Right, and he even because turns his phone off in between use a lot of times. Smart guy, especially go on, if he's calls, at like a conference or something. Smart then he guy. turns it off. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. So, are you at that 
does your paranoia and fear live just in a different realm, but it's at that same level? Yeah, you know, I totally understand what he's doing. Like, Do I you don't have, have a diesel generator. Uh, <laughs> my mom does absolutely, and Sorry. and my ex wife has a a battery pack in her <laughs> in her garage. So yes, so it I, rubbed off. Yeah, no, I'm totally, I'm totally in that realm. Yeah, I mean, it's more like a Boy Scout kind of thing. Like, uh, I heard a great comment. One of the greatest cheesy movies, which was Alien versus Predator, which was everything it <laughs> yeah. needed to be. Yeah. It was such a great line. <laughs> this woman, they're getting ready to go explore the planet, and the woman's like, uh, this one woman pulls out a sidearm, and the other woman looks at her and goes, why do you need that? She goes, it's like a condom. I'd rather have it and not, <laughs> not need, need it, it than need it and, and not, not have it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was such a great way to go, like, go about life. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I, you know, I, uh, I work out. I try to take care of myself, and I like to train a little hand-to-hand combat. People are like, why do you do that? And I'm like, because there could be a moment yeah, when you're in like, life. Oh. This would have been a really useful <laughs> knowledge set yeah, to You don't have. want to be standing there saying, damn, I should have taken that class when they offered yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. Right. And it is like I'm going around at the bar picking fights, but I'm just like, you know, I'm like, somebody runs their mouth. I'm like, hey, I, I got a feeling about you. <laughs> hey, check out my certificate. Yeah, let's yeah, let's totally. spar. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, it's all about application, right? Really, knowledge is about application. It shouldn't be theoretical. Oh my god, that's so awesome. So, in terms of my my paranoia, I completely get what he's doing. Like, I usually make a concerted effort. Like, I'll, I'll delete my Facebook Messenger app on my phone, and sometimes I'll delete Facebook, right? Certainly Instagram, because the phone is constant. I mean, the phone knows more about you than anybody else, but there's also kind of this, you know, I'm just at the cusp of the millennial generation. I'm a zennial, the X, right? So I grew up with the dial in dial up modem. I remember that. Yeah. And then I can look at my younger brother's generation and I'm is like, is that what we are? Yeah, well, that's exactly what we are. Z- what did you call Zennials. it? Zennials. Zennial. I got so pissed yeah. for so long. I was Gen X proud to be. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they moved the line mm-hmm. by like six years or something. Blame and I'm like, the internet. I'm not a freaking millennial. Yeah, you're, Get over yourself. You're, it's the internet that did it. And we're actually Xennials because we're in between Gen X, which yeah. is my older brother's generation, yeah. and Millennials, which is my younger brother's generation. Yeah. So we remember yeah. like the old yeah. rotary phones. Of course. We had one on the wall. Right. Do totally. you remember the the rotary phone went with the house? Oh, hell yeah. It, it was there. on the wall. Yeah. Well, the mobile phone was when you got a 25-foot cord. Exactly. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you, exactly. And you walked around holding it like up this. for people to walk yeah. under. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I remember I remember <laughs> talking on the phone doing this. Oh, yeah. And your parents were like, get off the phone. Yeah. we only had, You only had the one line. And my, <laughs> totally. my older sister, she got her own phone line. Yeah. And that was like, ooh. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and call waiting was like, whoa. Oh, no, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, my grandmother like, would call me like, you get off the phone. If something happens, I need to call you. And you want to talk about a prepper. That woman walked around with a gun. You had a seven-year-old lady. In the mountains of Virginia, with a cowboy hat, walking around with a sidearm, <laughs> and everybody knew her. Everybody's like, "Stay away from Miss Gray." And everybody's like, "Yep, you do." And you stay away from her kids. Too. Everybody's like, "Yep, you do." So yeah, get off the phone. Yeah, all that stuff. All oh that my stuff. god! All right. So now that I know what we are, keep going. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I am, you know, the phone knows more about you than your partner will. They yeah. probably you even do at this yeah. point, given the algorithms that they're running on people and the predictive analytics that they have. So it's a little, you're always constantly, you know, I think as a person and certainly as a culture, we're always kind of balancing security and privacy versus convenience yep. and ease of use, right? Yep. Like it's my buddy in Europe, you know, he moved there. He's got a great wife and they've got this great family and they've got two kids. 
little babies. And I mean, dude, he loves that Alexa. He's like, Alexa, you know, play this music. Alexa, turn this on. And he's holding his kid and he plays it. He's like, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, and then I read the reports like, yeah, Alexa's definitely taking your data. They're definitely storing it. They're yep. running analytics on it. They can track you directly to you. It's yep. always on, even yep. though they say it isn't, even in your most intimate moments. Yep, yep. Hey, we were in one of those the other day, David and I, and she starts saying, I didn't understand what you said. And I was like, <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. It's like totally jarring. You're like, ah, what's going on? Yeah, it's totally. very weird. Yeah, I mean, the thing is. <laughs> If you can do it, you will. I'm looking at David, will. and I'm like, what did she hear? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I just said. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, no, I don't have one of those in my house. <laughs> no. And we're not getting those. We have, like, five of them. That's oh, yeah. so crazy. Totally. It's so my crazy. friends and I all make jokes. Like, I got an Alexa at, like, a conference one time. I have, like, five or six friends of mine, and we each, re- like, it just bounce. It's never been out of the box. And we somehow <laughs> leave it at each other's house. It's, it's like, like the our ultimate re-gift. white elephant. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are just re-gifting that. And all of a sudden, like, absolutely not. Things I get plugged into my house. But, you know, we're also the same guy with, like, the giant TV that we're playing PlayStation on who definitely All the same stuff. All the same yeah. stuff. They're just like, hey, I'm going to hack this, do that. Yeah, I mean, it's all there. You just, if it's connected, it's yeah. connected. Yeah. So I think that's really a lot of, like, where your paranoia is. For me, I don't think, like, as a culture, it's concerning. I think from a high-level 40,000-foot view, we're all, we've got cameras everywhere. Everything's listening. I think certainly that's a bigger issue. But from a personal privacy standpoint, I just try to take my own kind of steps mm. You know, when I'm having an intimate moment, you know, I don't have my Alexa, <laughs> my TV. I'm not broadcasting it How on, do a, you on stop a. it. Yeah, I, I don't Alexa, have it. Alexa, quit listening for the next thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thirty minutes. <laughs> uh, no, you put everything downstairs. I guess that's kind of what what I feel like is is that. No, you know, I kind of felt like a, a while back that wherever I am, I'm being watched, probably. But my solace was that I'm lost in a sea of data. Totally. Mm. That unless I'm doing something notable, uh, nobody's going to notice me. I can sit here in my car and pick my nose in the parking lot. And it's not that they're going, hey, guys, come, come around, check this out. (laughs) You know, I I think it really comes down somewhere, but nobody cares. Right. I think it really kind of comes down to like an ethical discussion as a society. Like, what are we willing to tolerate? Yeah. And I think that's that's always the legal kind of framework that we're always dealing with. Right. If you look at what they were willing to deal with in 1776 versus what we're willing to deal with now. You know, it's they'd a, freak it's, out, wouldn't they? Oh my god! Oh, Everybody would, would be flip. armed. Every you know, and, they would flip. And in fact, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt, sure, but this sure. this points out as far as like the the proliferation of cameras everywhere else. There's that I don't know where it is, but the stepmother and the son, the 11 year old boy, in the springs or somewhere, has miss has been missing now for five or six days. Oh really? And her story was that he went. The last time he was seen at home was about two thirty, and he went off to play with his friends. That's it. The neighbor's nest camera has her getting in the car at 11 in the morning with the boy and coming back three hours later without him. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Happens in Europe and all the time. It was one of the neighbors and he ha- he just said, I'm, I'm just going to go look. And, and he see started if looking I see and he was something. like, oh, wow. So he turned it over to the police. Oh, wow. And, you know, so the things like that are now being captured by not even institutional cameras. Yeah, it's, yeah your just, neighbor's ring doorbell. Yeah, I could be out my doing ring something in my front yard and be- weird stuff in our neighborhood take. sometimes where I'm like, I don't know if I should keep that clip or- Right, and that gets to the code of those things because you can hack that thing pretty quickly. I have a friend of mine back east who's just a great dude. As life goes, you know, people get married, people get divorced, and um, 
his wife's ex-husband is an IT guy and is just constantly like just messing ha- with them. Always. Just oh, because the guy geez. can't get over it. The guy, and oh, my geez. buddy's such a good dude. Just a hilarious and just a solid father and the whole thing. Oh, and the guy's like hacking his Nest camera and the rest of it. And yeah, it's convenient, but we also talking about software and getting things out there, right? A lot of times as a security guy, Everybody says it. No one does it, right? We're going to bake security in from the front end. Right, You know, and it usually doesn't happen because- It's always security as an afterthought. Always. And it's just because the time it takes to kind of bake this thing in becomes kind of difficult, you know, to get to market fast Especially if you're a startup and you have And you don't know where all your contact points are. Yeah, you have no idea when you're starting. In the beginning of the system. Yeah, yeah. We would love to know what a system's going to look like when it's finished. Sure. When we start, but we never do. It never does, right? You have a picture and it, it draws out eight different ways by the time you get there. So there's always kind of this argument as to what it would look like. But, you know, to kind of come back to the initial point is, you know, how kind of terrified of I, I am of everything. I just don't think I'm that really fucking important, to be honest. <laughs> like, you know, and I've kind of made it that way. Yeah. Like, you know, I have people who are very important. <laughs> I wish Daryl was here for this. Because Daryl gets a little worked up oh, about yeah, the he privacy does. stuff. He really does. He hates Facebook. Never had a Facebook profile. And he deletes all, all kinds of apps. I think Facebook. deletes stuff. He's doing everything in Chrome and stuff. Incognito. Incognito, yeah. yeah. And I think it, Facebook is a really interesting conversation to take place with because the algorithms that Facebook is employing is certainly, they have an intention behind them. Yeah. Right. And I am familiar with Facebook in, in some certain ways. And it is kind of terrifying. If you want to talk about terror to me, <laughs> like the electrical grid is like, let's say that's like a B. Okay. And like rating. <laughs> Facebook is an A++ to me of like, this needs to be reviewed. This needs to be talked about. This needs to be concerning to everybody. Really? Oh, absolutely. I mean, consider consider that you have a, a central point that so many people are getting information from and implementing information too, that is then whether they agree that it's happening or not, because it definitely fucking <laughs> is. That information yeah. is being filtered. It's being kind of massaged in a way where certain information gets out, certain information isn't. And we are now in this new world where is Facebook a media outlet? Is Facebook just a social platform? Is Facebook this? Is is this that? Right? And, and this is, I think, always the challenge just generally in our industry the legal framework is nowhere near able to keep up with the technical capabilities that we're able to Especially create. when you think that a lot of this stuff is international law, which right. doesn't exist. Right. right? It, it's I all mean, an agreement it's... that may or may not be enforced in the right. local host country. Right. Right. So now you've got... You've got a platform that's gone worldwide, and yeah. now all of a sudden you're dealing with what is that legality in that host country, and what does that look like? I mean, you know, for all of its faults... The EU's GDRP, I think, actually takes a really good step forward. It puts an incredibly difficult onus on the on the tech community specifically, right, as you're trying to develop something that may go into that country and what they're going to be able to do to interface it with it. But at least they're trying to yeah. protect their citizens in a manner that I think is, is what a, a country's nation or its laws should be trying to do. How do you feel about what California just did with that regard? I think California is crazy. Yeah, I think like California's challenge is that like it's just so big. Yeah. And you've got so many kind of competing legalities. (laughs) 
<laughs> in that state, you know, you've got the tech sector and then you've got kind of a hyper liberal and ki- hyper conservative element in the state that are kind of like, there's no like middle ground anymore. No. Right. The thing I like about Colorado is I like to say like Republicans smoke weed and Democrats carry guns here. Right. Like you, sure. we're more kind of central in our application of what we think. Like, mm-hmm. you, of course, you have your your hyper right, your hyper left everywhere. Right. Everywhere. Yeah. But I think generally speaking, in terms of this state's, you know, kind of general focus and where they are, we're kind of in the middle. Whereas I think in California, it's, it's just so, so polarized yeah. on either side. And I think it's also because the money is so heavily, right. heavily invested there. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think trying to get any legislation around anything. <laughs> when you have that much money involved is virtually impossible, right? Um, and that gets to kind of the, you know, Citizens United conversation and all the politicals around that. But it's important to try to yeah. create legislation to protect consumers, yeah. but then also realize that it's going to be imperfect because humans are making the technology and they're making the laws and it needs to be revisited over and over again. Got it. Right? Got it. That's what I would say to that. Got like, it. it. Something should be done. I'm not saying, you know, California has a right. It probably doesn't. I haven't really looked too much into it. I've tried to stay out of California because of, you know, I've done some work there and I'm like, holy fuck, I'm not doing this again. You know, I'll take yeah. the technology. Certainly happy to work with what you're building, but I'm going to let you all figure it out over here. But yeah, I, you know, I think that's kind of one of the elements that as a society, especially as an educated society in America, as we have the Zennials and the millennials who are growing up with technology. Yeah. For us to take a kind of a step back and take an abstract look at this uh, almost in a detached manner and say, what do we as a society think is acceptable here? Right. And, you know, this always comes down to the legality of of what's happening. We're going to make a law mm-hmm. and they're definitely going to break it. But when the law is here, they're going to go like another foot and a half past the law. Right. We all know they will. Right. But it's important to have the law so at least we know where the line in the sand is. Right. As opposed to this just, well, whatever Facebook comes up with is good, right? right. Like, that's cool. Right. That's a little terrifying. Is the reason, I want to talk about this sort of like predictive analysis and mm. some of this machine learning stuff that's being applied to human habits. Mm. Does this suggest... We're going to get a little philosophical. Does this suggest that more than we even realize it, we are machines too, just operating at a very, very high level of consciousness or awareness or whatever that, you know, our our analytical power is so, I mean, it's, it's like a it's like an ant to man capacity, right? right, between computer and human. Is there a way that at some point technology evolves where we're no different than the machine. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, or where totally. we could be hacked. Right. Yeah. Well, we can. They're starting to show that now. They can look at brainwave. I forget the exact terminology, but essentially they can look at your brainwaves and guess what you're thinking within a pretty high degree of accuracy. That's terrifying. You want to talk about tinfoil hat moment? <laughs> Fucking right there. Does the tinfoil hat work? Can I don't you clear know. That I'm going to try. <laughs> I don't know. I'll be in Montana <laughs> with my cowboy hat and my tinfoil hat underneath, <laughs> underneath the, cowboy the cowboy hat. Yeah. Because if you put the cowboy hat on top, then it looks cool. Yeah, the tinfoil oh, just looks nerdy. You can't yeah. forget the magnets. Yeah. The ma- uh, oh, you have to put magnets? <laughs> inside of it Faraday cage everywhere yeah stick yourself inside of a big Faraday cage yeah is that why aliens are always wearing the silver suit because it's literally like they're hiding reflective yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) the grays and the greens yeah so philosophically speaking right so there's so many I I love philosophy I think Mm. it's such an interesting way to look at kind of human consciousness so Ah, man, I could talk about that for days, but I think kind of the question is, if I could narrow it down, is 
how will machine learning and artificial intelligence impact human consciousness? Yeah. Okay. If we get if we boil it down to that question, what I would state is that it it certainly already has. Okay. Right. If you look like we, there's an old adage about architecture. We shape the buildings and the buildings then shape us. Uh-uh. So if you look at how we design things, generally tools of any kind, that tool then impacts us as a species. And we are still evolving, right? We're not, you know, our mind is certainly, I think from a physical perspective, we, we haven't, you know, made some massive leap from where we were, <laughs> you know, many, 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 many moons ago, <laughs> right? So what is the tool set doing to us right now? We're looking at Instagram and Facebook, and now we're starting to correlate that, you know, we're having a higher degree of teen depression and suicide right. and these types of things, right? right? And we've right. got this biological signaling on Instagram that people like to talk about. And what does that mean? And you've got a daughter, you've got a niece, and you're like, oh my God, what do I do? And then you've got a son and you're like, oh my God, like how many video games are you playing? And right. what is that doing in your impact? And there's right. a billion dollar industry that's there to study young adolescent male minds to yep. see what their trigger points are going to be for a dopamine and endorphin rush based around what this video game structure is going to look like. I mean, I fucking love Call of Duty. You want to talk about a way for me to like relax myself is to kill some things, right? And at its very root, that kind of comes down to I'm a biological species on a rock floating in the big black ocean, right? right? And I've right. got I've got a drive in me, right? I've got yeah. to try to breed. I've got to drive to eat. I've got to drive to explore. So these tool sets are starting to trigger certain elements inside of us and you're starting, you know, and there's an argument that, you know, the argument around ADD is, you know, ad nauseum at this point, <laughs> yeah. you know, and we still don't have a real answer for it. But certainly those tools, I think, are already impacting us. Yeah. And I think that comes back to the earlier point that we made around the legalities that we are implementing into what these tools are creating are going to be critical for our development as a society, Hmm. And the people we're going to be creating, right? Like what are, and, and, you know, I'm not a big government guy that's going to be like, we need to legislate everything. But as a society, we need to have a conversation around this. And as parents and as, yeah. as, as adults, right? Yeah. We've got this tool. What is it doing to us, each other, our connectedness, our youth, all these things? Because yeah. it seems to me that the things that they can measure so far, we've seen mostly negative impact. Mm. Mm. And there's you know, we've seen a decreased focus right. in young people, right? They, their attention span is short because sure. they're things like that. Yeah. And some of what you said, it reminded me of like the food industry for decades. Right. We just you need know, profit. Nacho cheese Doritos are very scientifically designed to trigger craving for more and more and more and more. Right. They're, they're designed to not satisfy you to where you need another one. Yeah. Right? And, you know, the, the manipulation through nicotine outside love me stimulus. Some nicotine. understanding what that stimulus does to the gambling stuff that's yeah, uh, you know because totally. i remember oh yeah the people talking specifically about that pull down on yep. facebook yep and watch that thing spin yeah yeah am i gonna get more likes yeah Shh. yeah totally spin it spin it all the trigger you know? points and so they're hitting on things you know they know brain manipulation so, so it, from so that point of view we've been being hacked for a long time a long time, time right? yeah We've talked about product marketing and things like that before and how there are much smarter people who are much more aware of human psychology and human behavioral anal and analysis and all that kind of stuff that have been watching us from the dawn of trying to sell somebody oh, something. Yeah. It's an osmotic right? serial coding. 
Let's do yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> that was real getting soggy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice you know, reference. food scientists. I mean, that that's to me that's creepy that there is such a thing. Yeah, in food a way. science. Food should be food. Yeah, you eat it. Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, <laughs> I remember having a conversation with my mom, my sister, and I. We were having this like grass-fed meat conversation, and my mom and my dad. You know, like we're from kind of a rural area, you know, and farmers are what we're kind of from, mountain people, that kind of thing. And my mom and dad looked at me like me and my sister, like we had two heads. They're like, "What are you talking about? Grass-fed meat? Every cattle, like cows, eat grass." And That's we're like, what they eat. Not anymore. They don't. <laughs> and my my dad kind of had this puzzled look. My mom just complete disbelief. She's like, "You two are just out of your mind." And we're like, "Have you have you been to a feedlot? Have you drove past one?" I have a super sensitive sense of smell. We were going up to a installation out in the middle of the friggin' nowhere, like between New Mexico and Texas. And I was with my cybersecurity architect and we were in this, we were in this car doing like 120 because there's nothing to do there's but 120, there, yeah. right? You're maxing, you're maxing your ride out, right? As, yeah. as one is wont to do. There's nothing between A and B. Yeah, yeah totally. And you're not You've even supposed to, to know B. A and B are there, right? right? So you're... <laughs> Right. So we're cruising, right? And all of a sudden he goes, I'm going to need you to, and he knows I've, I've, I can smell really well. He goes, windows. Yeah. He's like, you're going to have a, a hard couple minutes here. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, we're getting ready to pass a feedlot. And I knew of what they were, right. I, I, you know, but I had never actually experienced our farms where I'm from are actual grass fed farms. This is like, you know, small, right. you know, kind of gentlemanly type farms. Yeah. We roll by this thing at 120 and I was holding my breath as long as I could. Finally, I had to breathe and I, I've never felt such like wrenching in my stomach oh. before. And I was like, this is what we're eating. Yeah. Right. So so to get back to the question, what's the impact going to be? It's certainly going to be there. Yeah. Right. We are, you know, our bodies are responding. Our brains are responding. What is that looking like? So the tools we're creating are certainly influencing us. Yeah. Artificial intelligence, machine learning, the singular moment, right, where AI really becomes self-aware, like the TI-83, right? We're all going to, you know, TI-83, T-1000. That's what I'm thinking of the calculator. TI-83 is a calculator. Yeah, yeah, that I hated. It's a graphic calculator. I hated. God damn advanced calculus. Well, your calculator, I'm like, I'm going to break this thing. Yeah. So red LEDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legal history nerd, math nerd. Me and my me and my advanced calculus teacher, I remember he was trying to teach us a class and he couldn't get the formulas across to us. My brother, older brother, is an engineer. I took the problem home to him. I go, show me how to do this. Five minutes he had it fixed. I go back and I had to teach the class. Oh my gosh. And I love the guy, Colonel Cavell, such a great guy. And he just looked at me, I go, you're an awesome guy. You're like, a horrible yeah, teacher. Yeah, I need you back in the disciplinary chair role. I need, I don't care who we get, but I'm not teaching this class. I'm definitely not the person to be teaching this. So, oh my gosh. So anyway, yeah, I think it's important. I think it's one of these big conversations, and I think we don't have to look any further than Facebook to see how AI and ML mm. are starting to do this and driving kind of a very aggressive narrative on a public platform. But we're seeing this, you know, Google Analytics, Google's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's all about SEO optimization. You got to get to that first page because, I mean, I'm not looking at the 20th page on Google search engine. Nope. You know, I'm going to go. If it doesn't come up in the first page, I figure I searched it wrong. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I go look for different words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or it's not relevant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so all of these things are interacting with each other. And I think certainly, you know, how we as a civilization, society, as species need to evolve into this is going to be really interesting to watch. How did you get interested in cybersecurity and like all that. I mean, you come at it. So Sam came at it from much more of a technical viewpoint, I would say, whereas you come at it in the way you speak, even 
law, legal is wrapped right in there. The two are not discernible from each other. So how did, how did you get interested in this? So in Virginia, we are big believers in war, I guess. <laughs> We're very, you know, southern state. Now, uh-huh. you know, you go down to the south, everybody's like, you're not really from the south. I'm like, ah, historically speaking, we definitely yeah, yeah. were. We got a whole feeling about the secession <laughs> thing, talking about the Civil War, because we learn it every year. <laughs> Can't learn anything else but the Civil War. The original colonies. Yeah, totally. My so, relatives still say, damn, Yankees. Y- yeah, damn. It's not uh, just Yankees. Oh, totally. 100%. <laughs> so... And then I I was in military school. Okay. Right. From my eighth grade year to my senior year. Right. And it's because I I guess always been interested in the application of force. And as a child, I was interested in the application of force into other people. Ah. So I found myself in the place where my mom was like, we can't you were not able to go to the little Christian school or the public school. We need we need a more structured environment for you to succeed or yeah. at least stay out of Trouble. a problem, yeah. right? You know, for your own good side. Yeah, oh, yeah. I had, that, I had a lot of arguments about that. But, you know, anyway, I, I made a deal, right? The yeah. deal was I would graduate and I wouldn't get kicked out, right? Because I had a plan. I definitely, yeah. you always got to have a you plan. You always had to have a yeah, plan. Yeah. My plan was to burn the place down. That was my plan. That, I figured that was going to, a fire really kind of has a, a fine finality to it i think in an argument (laughs) i don't know i've just always had that thought burn it down yeah burn it down it's not there right bridge is gone school whatever it is it's gone right can't bring that back overnight yeah so anyway so i've just like been and my my family was all in the military my father was a much older gentleman he was 53 when i was born my father was actually drafted going to world war ii all my uncles were in world war ii so like i had a much older father figure sure to kind of give me the rules of the road and i had always kind of questioned why this law why not that law why can't i do this why can't i do this like as a 15 year old kid like why can't i get in a fight with another 15 year old kid when it's over we call it good and it's done right why do we need all of this other bullshit that seems pretty standard issue to me (laughs) even at 15 i was like this is a little overboard you guys like (laughs) i got a problem with the kid we'll figure it out we'll call it good yeah let this go right so I, I've always been around this kind of military structure and what this looks like. I remember my uh, junior or senior year in high school and getting back to the history lessons, it was just, especially in Virginia, it was just fucking civil war, civil war, <laughs> civil war, civil war. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, you know, of course, 1776, that kind of thing. And then we get to World War II, right? We And it was like a day in Vietnam, like a, like a sentence about Grenada, like <laughs> something happened in Iran no one really wanted to talk about. <laughs> Some other stuff happened in South America, but we really don't want to talk about that. And then, <laughs> boom, we're the world superpower. And I was like, hold oh, on. That's a little weird. I feel like you, 1940. You missed some stuff yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, I feel like maybe a lot of things have happened over the last, I don't know, 60 years. Like, yeah, yeah, you got to study that in college. And I went to college, and they're like, all right, you got to have your sociology 101. I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> psychology 101. And I'm like, well, this is kind of weird. You know, like, can we <laughs> can we learn about crazy people? Like, oh, no, we can't do that. I'm like, oh, this sucks. And then organizational <laughs> behavior, you know, all the, like, kind of lame classes you got to get through. You're just like, oh, fuck uh, this. Yeah. Right. And econ, I really liked econ. I really liked business. And I was like, okay, like I kind of have a knack for this. This makes sense. And I liked biology and genetics and things, but I was like, ah, I kind of like business a little bit more. So I ended up kind of in that space, but I kept kind of asking what the fuck has happened in the last 60 Over years, the last 60 years. Yeah. Like, how are we here? Like, I, I don't want to hear like, we just happened to win this war and now we're just <laughs> top dog. Right. Like, <laughs> 
These so three guys met at Potsdam, and then the wall came down. Yeah, and so <laughs> had a couple beers, threw a couple high fives, got a big, bada boom. Brent Wood's system, we got our <laughs> currency everywhere. Oil, we got that. Oh, you got some oil? We're gonna give you some freedom, right? Like that kind of thing. So I'm like, what the fuck has happened? So anyway, I got out of undergrad, and I was I was gonna join the military. I was like, this is my way. My dad called me, especially after 9-11, yeah. right? My dad called me. He was like, I need... And my dad was such a good dude. He's since passed because he's so... He's ancient when I was born. <laughs> right? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, he's a great dude. I'm super happy I got him. Trust yeah. me. Like, I don't think a lot of other dads would have been able to like handle this. <laughs> so anyway, my dad calls me after 9-11 and I'm like, I'm signing up. All my buddies are doing it. And I, of course, I came from military school. All my friends that were in high school with me all yeah. went like, except for like maybe two, were all going. Yeah. And I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. My dad calls me and he's like, I need you to promise me something. And he, and he only asked me that like twice. It was like, don't drink and drive. Please don't kill anybody. Yeah. Those are like the yeah. two things he asked yeah. me to do. And I'm like, yeah, those are pretty you know, I reasonable. Yeah. yeah. I'm like that. You sure. Know, I got I it. I got it. <laughs> Calls me, he's like, I need you to please not join and just graduate college first. Just do that for me. And he was like, we'll have this conversation. So I, I was like, okay, like, I love you. I'll do that for you. You've got me here through a lot of legal problems, yeah. right? Like, I'm, I'm going to listen to you. So, you know, I got out of undergrad and my family friend was starting this company in cybersecurity and we were well into Iraq and I was like, why the fuck are we in Iraq? I mean, every even my friends are in the military. Like, why are we in fucking Iraq? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, there was like, there was just this like shenanigans. It's the only <laughs> way to describe it of what was going on. And I'm like, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> so my family friend was like, hey, I'm starting an IT company. And he was an aeronautical aerospace engineer, these two guys. And me and him had a long conversation about currency manipulation and China and just shit I was interested in generally. And he was like, I want you to come work for me. And I was like... That's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go get on a plane. I got to get an M16. I'm going to go kill bad guys. This is like my life. This right. is what I'm doing. And he's like, ah, why don't you come just check this out? I think you can make a lot of money doing this. And if you don't like it, you go. You'd always go do the M16 Literally, route. They're yeah. waiting for you. Yeah. But like, I'm not. So why don't you come try this? And he's like, and if you really want to support these guys, maybe use your brain not yeah, your back. Yeah, And that was one of the things my dad always told me. He's like, you know, your brain gets stronger if you use it. Your back will eventually get weaker. It doesn't matter how strong it is. As you age, that thing yeah. will give out. So my dad really kind of counseled. He's like, I'd really like you to go check this out. Yeah. You know, my yeah. dad wasn't a big fan of me working with these two guys, but he's like, fuck it. I'd rather this than, than the other thing. I've seen the other thing. I've yeah. been in the other thing. Yeah. So let's just give that a minute. Yeah. So And they were both like, hey, you can support this way. So I just kind of gravitated toward, okay, we're going to support the military. We're going to do these things. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to learn my part to try to kind of assist. And then I had another kind of uh, mentor and I, I had asked, I was, everybody's going to get their MBAs. And I was like, Hey, so I just was in cybersecurity all of a sudden. Yeah. So the first two, three years, these guys were engineers, aerospace engineers by trade. And they just started handing me engineering textbooks. Oh, wow. So the first three years out of college, everybody's out drinking on Tuesday. <laughs> everybody's having a fucking full on time, right? Like we're making money and we're out of college and life is good. Right. Yeah, I got an yeah. apartment near DC and I'm just hanging out. Not me. I was in the basement of the goddamn apartment complex, just pouring over engineering textbooks and just being like, Oh fuck, I should have been in goddamn boot camp by now. <laughs> like, at least I'd be I'd be shooting things. I wouldn't be studying fucking equations. Here, right let me now. set this book over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. <laughs> Just getting drilled like I was in the military by these two guys. So anyway. 
I just kind of got taught how to think like an engineer. And these guys are really bright. They've done a really good job in their company back east. And, you know, I was able to be a part of that. And I was just constantly, you know, we're there. So I'm talking to the Pentagon. I'm talking to the military. I'm talking to all these kind of spooky agencies about what the problems look like. And we've got cool technology and they're interested in it. And that environment kind of breeds it. Yeah. Right. And the conversations that you're having at the bar with people aren't like, hey, did you see the 49ers and the Chiefs? It's like, hey, Hey, did did you you see, see, hey, did you see what the currency manipulation issue is doing to like drug trade out of Afghanistan right Right. now? We've got interesting stuff. Right. You've got an opium route that's coming through like Southeast Asia that's coming up through Hawaii and, you know, we're trying to deal with this in a manner that's going to stem drug trade into South America and the United States. How do we do this? Wow. These are the types of conversations that were happening, right? And just everywhere, right? Because that's the place for it. Yeah, that's what you're in. So a mentor of mine, I was talking to him about it. I was like, you know, everybody's going to get their MBA. I was like, I think I should go get another degree of kind of feeling that element right now. And I just, I had had the business degree. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do another goddamn business degree. And he goes, you should go get this, essentially a policy degree. And there's like four schools that have it. There's Fletcher out of Tufts. And then there's Sice out of Johns, I think it was out of Johns Hopkins. And then Georgetown had a program. And I think there's another one. And Fletcher was partnering with Harvard at the time. And I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to take me. So I'll do this. And when and they, then and when they, they say, say no, no, I'm going to boot camp. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm just going to go take a trip to Europe yeah. and I'm going to go drink with my friends while they're off leave, right? Yeah, I'll yeah, meet yeah. them in Germany. Yeah. We're going to get hammered and go down to Greece. Like I had the, the whole plan. trip. Yeah. yeah. No, I was gone for like three weeks. I was like, I'm out of here. Save the money. Did the things. I was like, I'm fucking peace. Yeah, I'm gone. Yeah. I've, they've got their leave. I'm meeting them there. <laughs> So I got the goddamn acceptance from Fletcher and I'm like, these fucking people have made a terrible mistake. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't, and I can't, I can't just say no. Like I've got to go now. (laughs) So I went in and the whole question I really had, which I'd always had from high school, which was what the hell has happened over the last six years? Yeah. And that's kind of what the degree in the program was about. Was oh, like, that's awesome. It was super cool. I was really grateful for that. It was one of the things where I, I was grateful for the knowledge and the way to look at things. Certainly, no one's ever going to agree on one direct point. You're going to be a little left. You're going to be a little right. But at least being able to look at the problem from an educated viewpoint and even coming from different perspectives, you can at least appreciate the thought process right. from the other side. Right. And what I was, the one thing that I was so kind of annoyed about, I was like, I had to pay how much goddamn money to get this education and everybody should have this. Right. Everywhere, just as a voting member of the population. Right, right. Because like we, you know, for better or for worse, we are an empire. Right. So we should, you know, educate our citizens in this manner yeah. to be able, you know, whether you like it or not, this yeah. is where we are. So know what you have. Right. So that's kind of why I just, the scholastics and the background I have is all around like policy and education and the law and what this is. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And this is why when my lawyer talks to me on the goddamn phone, he takes two hours because he wants to have these types of like philosophical conversations. I'm like, I'm like, you're billing me yeah, for this right it, now. Yeah, exactly. If you want to get a beer and we can have this conversation, I need this document drafted so we can get on with this program. Uh, all right. So... From the layman perspective, you've talked about a lot of things that are somewhat high level intelligence kind of stuff. If you could give a piece of advice to the average Joe, what would it be? I mean, man, dude, that's a lot. Don't that's get married young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, that's such a 
I mean, can I quote Marcus Aurelius? I mean, I don't, yeah, I mean, I would probably just, anything he said, really, I would point out. I'm not that bright. I mean, I'm just copying people. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Go to meditations and read that. I mean, that's really what you got to be life at. Um, I, uh, what would I give to the average Joe? Like, oh, like from a security standpoint, you know, and yeah, from, totally. from a, from Sam's, a, Sam's thing was freeze your credit. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. That's that. Everybody needs to do that. Be aware where you get your news. That's the main thing. I think we've moved from the information age to the reputation age. Mm. I heard that coined a couple years ago and I thought that was so truthful. Yeah. Right. We are now like our phone can literally go anywhere in the world immediately. Yeah. And everybody's putting out content. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody's, yeah. I, I saw a great meme. It was like, don't rip on China for the coronavirus when, when you have a first world country that's YouTubed itself back to a measles outbreak. Right. You know? Right. So what I would say is verify your source. Be skeptical. Yeah. yeah trust, but verify, as Reagan yeah. would say, right? Like, know your news. Know yeah. your information before yeah. you form the opinion. Yeah. Right. And just because you're in an echo chamber of your own viewpoint does not mean that that source is incorrect. We talked about this. Or correct. We talked about how people are very, they see, they see it on Facebook and it must be true. Oh, you there's know, people who actually and, say that's where I get my news. Yeah. So my, my Facebook, I've kind of, you know, limited my pictures and that kind of thing. Most things are private and that kind of thing. What I do is I post political content typically or scientific content. Yeah. And I always kind of wonder to myself, I'm a political junkie and I'm kind of want to be science nerd and that kind of thing. But I always think to myself, should I keep posting this, right? Mm. Are people, you know, are people really watching? And then randomly what I'll get is from somebody, they're like, you know, somebody I haven't, I haven't talked to in forever, just somebody randomly I see, they're like, I appreciate what you're posting because I know you're reading it. Uh, and I and that's something I do, yeah. right? I, I really try to make sure, and it, things have gotten really hectic for me in terms of work, and I've just been, you know, working my ass off lately. So <laughs> it isn't like I'm cruising. The article is going like, oh, it's geopolitical situation in like <laughs> Germany right now for currency, right? Like it's not really where I'm at. But one of the things I do try to do is that if I'm going to post this this article, I feel like it's been referenced. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not just an opinion piece. Mm-hmm. It's got some real data behind it. And I, and a lot of times I'll read stuff and I, even though I may agree with the content, even though I may agree with the point they may be trying to make, I can tell by the kind of salacious nature. Yeah, totally. That I'm like, this is just. You're not going to propagate that. This right? is not to me going to further a conversation that I think is going to be valuable. This is just yelling in an echo chamber. Yeah. Right. What, yeah. Whoever is going to do this. Yeah. So I think my, my point to the average joe is verify your news yeah. like verify your data yeah that and that's in all it yeah verify your data yeah right just because it it maps what you hope it maps right. doesn't mean it's going to be accurate right 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 it's like okay. the difference between gossiping versus actually spreading information yeah facts yeah real data interesting yeah was it you you've probably watched what is it the great hack yeah oh yeah i was even shocked at the tactics the that they mentioned near the end where they said yeah this this group from Russia over here started a facebook group with this political bent and then started a facebook group with the opposite yeah. and created a rally mm-hmm. and got people to go and it's like they're not even advocating one side or the other they're just generating this conflict divisive nature and getting the extremism yeah it's, it's was, my god it's interesting <laughs> so to get back to that point around people and tools right 
what I've found is you can have a very thoughtful conversation with somebody face-to-face. Yeah. 99% of the time. Yeah. You put these two people mm-hmm. on Facebook. Where there's no face. They're not there. Right. They're really not there. They, like, right. you, like, all of a sudden, the rules Name of calling conduct. Name the very second reply. Oh, yeah. Rules of conduct change Changed dramatically. Yeah. You know, and yeah. as somebody who got sent to military school <laughs> for these <laughs> moments of losing your temper, right, there are, there are these kinds of ideas of, like, having an in-person conversation and that kind of moral fiber. Yeah. All of a sudden changes. And yeah. then you just get people throwing whatever fud they have yeah. at each other, and but they're not having a civil... Red Foreman said, if it wasn't for laws, we'd still be in the trees flinging our, our feces at each other. <laughs> right. And that's what they're doing, essentially. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Are we a nation of laws or men? And that yeah. really kind of comes down to it. What is your, know well, your data. I put comments out and then I go back and delete them 15 minutes later or five minutes later because I'm like, you know, I just don't need to keep adding to that. To the fire. And I do kind of think like, I don't know that someday somebody that's important to me is going to read this. Right. right. Somebody that I real it's like one day going to work, I was behind somebody, bad traffic move on his part and I'm laying on my horn. Right. We get to work and I find out he's a pretty important guy at the office. Nice. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going to do he a totally, lap you know, cuz I passed him when when I finally got, you know, by him, I passed him and I didn't flip him off fortunately, but I, you know, I mouthed something as I went by. Yeah. <laughs> I get to work and he pulls in the parking lot right behind me. Oh, shoot. Like to introduce myself. You know, so it's kind of the same thing. If I'm putting stuff out there on the web for people to see, I do, you know, I try to remind myself that there's going to be people who see this that might matter to me. Right, right. So I think the one thing, the good news, I think, in that element is that the a lot of young people, for instance, my younger brother is in this, I hope it's a majority. I, I'm fearful it's a minority. He is acutely aware of what he's putting out there mm. lives forever. Yeah. Right. And I think, yeah. I think one of the benefits of them growing up in this world and kind of there's new rules. Yeah. Right. And it's unfortunate. These new rules are, are there, but right. they're learning them. Right. My mom, you know, we had a kind of a family story. My nephew did something that I kind of, you know, I think is pretty standard issue. I think it's not hard to extrapolate what it could have been with, you know, <laughs> with, with, you know, technology. <laughs> and my mom, God bless her soul. She's like, I can't believe he would do that. And I go, I'm a damn near middle-aged, like, man, <laughs> and I have done that. You know, I'm, I'm an adult, right? I understand consequence. I know yeah. what this risk element yep, looks like, yep. and I have done that yeah. because the drive in us as yeah. a biological species yeah. does this. Yeah. And you, you want a 16-year-old boy? To be able to comprehend it. To I be know. able to think I of know. risk analysis. And my mom's like, I, I just don't get it. I go, Let me, I'm going to show you something. I did this with him. I did this in front of everybody. Set my nephew across from me. We're sitting at the table. And like, he's he's got a heart of gold, right? But he's just, he grew up in a really difficult time with technology. And I go, I'm going to I'm gonna show you something. And he goes, okay. And he goes, what? And I go, I put a phone on the table. I go, how dangerous is that thing? And he had already kind of been in trouble. He's like, oh, it's not, you know, it's kind of dangerous. I pull out a sidearm. Of course, it was unloaded and everything course, else. I yeah. put it on the table. I go, which one of these is more dangerous to you? He's kind of fearful and he does not answer. I'm like, actually answer the question. I just, we we need to get through this. And he points to the gun. I go, wrong. I can tell by your demeanor around this tool. Yeah. You understand long-term. Effect. With this. Yes. You are not able to 
actually ascertain what the real risk of this thing is. Yeah, the phone. And this is why it's more dangerous to Yeah. You, right? Yeah. I can put you behind the wheel of a car and you are able to ascertain the actual threat of drinking and driving right. and miscalculation right. of what this could look like. Like your risk analysis is actually pretty good. Right. But you're not able to comprehend what this is doing to you. Yeah. And I think it's just definitely kind of a generational issue. My mom's like, not able to comprehend what I'm dealing with. And my younger, my nephew looks at me, he's like, that, now that makes sense. Yeah. I'm like this, I'd rather you carry this with you because yeah, I know you're gun. not going to yeah, do anything yeah, with yeah, this because yeah, yeah. you understand the issue. Right. Right. Now, right. I, don't, I wouldn't do that to every kid. Sure, of right? course. But of I course. knew who I was talking yeah, to and the issues we were dealing with and how he had been brought up around weapons versus a telephone. Yeah. So right. we need phone safety training. We do. We just need, we need long, yes. warning labels. We need a license for a concealed carry on that thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe just the camera element specifically. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I think I've told this story before, but I remember seeing a comedian who was talking about before the digital age. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to get a, pi- a naked picture of yourself to somebody, you had to like take the photo yes. and then you had to go get the film developed. Yeah, and then you had to drive and then you had to, go to pick her house. It up. Yeah, totally. No, no, no. And then you had to like Put it, put a stamp on it. Yeah, totally. And then you had to take it to a mailbox, and all this time has passed, and you can always take it back. Yeah, totally. Whole time, <laughs> whole time. And most of the time, reasonable people got to the point where they couldn't stand the fact that the guy at the pharmacy was the one developing the yep. photo. Absolutely. And so it ended right there. Yeah. With this, it's Immediate. gone. Immediate. It's gone. Yeah. You've had that thought. It's done. You've had an impulse. Yeah, an impulse. Right. And it's done and over. Yeah. And again, so, getting back to the conversation. How are tools shaping us? Yeah. How are we interacting with these tools? Yeah. Man. Biological. Check out my naked selfie and my suspension for next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I saw a great article. It was like, we are going to come to a day where somebody running for president is definitely going to have a naked selfie. It's going to hit and we're all going to have to go. Yeah, we all did that. Yeah, we are. And that's... (laughs) That's, that's the thing. Yeah, you suck for that's putting fine. it out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's whatever. the arena where when you were saying that, you know, I'm not important enough to hack, that's where people who were nobodies suddenly become huge focuses of attention is sure. politics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's where I see this kind of stuff coming up is something they posted on Facebook three years. Right. Before they got into a office. joke, right. a Twitter post, you know, something, or they right. were a member of a group, you know. Right. Yeah. But that's the thing: is your propensities are now become known. Yeah. Whereas if you were a white supremacist in the past, it was all face to face interaction. Right. right. Nobody knew it except those guys. Right. Right. And my grandfather in the South was actually a member of the KKK. Right. Wow. As were but most white men back then. They, yeah. This was way back in the twenties and thirties, and. I found some of this stuff. It was packed away in a box. And my dad said, he goes, from what I know, this was an excuse to get out of the house and go drink and play cards with the buddies. You know, they didn't do anything. It was just, this was like their club. This was their moose lodge. Um, But, you know, nowadays, you know, if you're a member of something, people know you're a member of something. totally. Because the only way you can become a member is to go out there and sign up. Right, (laughs) right. Totally. Very interesting. Well, my friend, very good having you today. Thank you for having Brandon me. Brandon was so nervous. It was so adorable. He texted me last night. And he's like, how do I prepare? And I was like, dude, just come be yourself. We'll super chill and laid back. And he didn't believe me. So now you know. And now we're going to edit this the hell out of this. <laughs> uh, so thank you for being here today. Thank we have you, We have totally enjoyed having you. Thank and you're you for welcome back me. anytime. Thank you. So uh, yeah, thanks for joining us today, you guys. And we have decided that we're going to do every other week instead of every week this year. And we're going to do more... 
guests on our podcast this year, and so that's partially why we're doing every other week. So because we ran out of material long we ago. ran out of material <laughs> long ago. We've been making shit up for I don't know months. Um, <laughs> it's fun and everything. The but writers are on strike. Yeah, the, yeah, our, our writing team is is uh, revolting against us. So we will see you guys in two weeks. And as always, if you have questions or follow ups or whatever, just post it all wherever you're looking, and uh, we'll get questions to Brandon and get follow ups or make introductions you know if you find his picture and you're like hey i want to date that guy let me know (laughs) very focused on the company (laughs) really dating very focused on work i just like giving you a hard time because it's funny we're gonna get him an alexa for christmas (laughs) absolutely not no sir all right you guys we'll see you next time thanks guys Thank you for listening to this episode of Incubate This. Looking for more tips, tricks, strategies, and advice for your startup? Or want to learn more about working with our team to turn your idea into a viable business? Visit us at reichatech.com or at gotanappidea.com. 